You are listening to Genuine Chit Chat. This show is for real. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week, I'm again joined by Thomas Rochester, who is an actor, a podcaster, and an incredibly deep thinker, if this conversation is anything to go by. So if you didn't tune in last week, make sure you go back and check out that episode or go over to youtube.com slash genuinechitschat to watch the full video version of this conversation. But in this conversation, we continue our discussion on sort of existentialism and deep thinking. This part of the conversation starts with a discussion on prophetic dreams, both my own and Thomas's experiences with those things. And then we speak a bit more in depth about the concept of the soul and our physical forms and things, and then also how science and spirituality can kind of work in tandem. So if you liked part one, you're sure to like this part because it's a continuation of the same sorts of ideas. And it's just myself and Thomas kind of just discussing openly about loose ideas around the world and reality in which we live in. I'd of course love to hear any of your thoughts on these matters, and as always in the description there's lots of information on what we just spoke about, including a lot of the things that Thomas mentioned, including the books, some breathing methods, and those sorts of things. You can also find mine and Thomas's details in the description, as well as all the information on other stuff that I have been up to recently, and stick around to the end to get a little bit more insight on what is to come. But friends, that's going to be enough from me, so thank you as always for listening, and I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Thomas. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. You know, memories are made of electricity. Who's to say that you can't read someone's mind in theory if you if your brain got the electrical energy that they are sending out? And in theory, mm-hmm. if you could do that, how could that yeah, how could that concept be, you know, uh developed upon? But like with the idea of seeing things ahead, I wouldn't believe it if I'd heard anyone say, I have dreams of stuff that happens in the future. I wouldn't believe it because I'm like, that doesn't make any sense because you can't. But I have. Mm. And it's nothing of excitement or interest. I never saw anything of my dad being ill or anything like that. It was was really, really benign stuff. And I get it like once a year, maybe. Maybe sometimes a bit more frequently, but generally it's like once a year. Well, I'll just dream something that's really boring and benign. And I just think, oh, that was weird. You know, there's weird dreams you get where it's basically like reality, but it's not. And then you wake up from it, you're like, I have to kind of forget what happened in that dream because that's not, that has no relevance to my life. And, you know, and then years later, it will happen. And it's just like, there was one I really remember when I was like eight years old or nine. And the dream was me just laying down and looking up and three or four people's heads coming at me again you're right and then there was one specific thing they said and i can't remember what it was but it was it was something that you wouldn't normally say unless you're in that specific situation it was an open evening thing uh, for school and so that that happened and i was like oh that's weird i've never seen those people before they said something weird to me that was a weird 10 seconds or 15 seconds oh well forget and then when i was 14 i think ish I did an open evening with my secondary school and I had my group of friends who were those people that I hadn't seen before. And I remember laying on a table while we were waiting because we were done 15 minutes early before the parents started coming and looking at the school and stuff. So I just laid on a table and just looked up and then they peered over me and said those things. And I was like, and then before my friend said the second thing he said, I knew knew exactly what he was going to say. And I looked at him and I was like, what the fuck? And then once I kind of realize that that's when the the memory of the kind of thing stopped and some people say it's deja vu or whatever but it's, i've experienced deja vu where feeling like something's the same but mm. i find that with those dreams they're such short snippets by the time i realize what when i'm like wait i've seen this before to even say the thing that's going to happen next it will have already happened mm-hmm. and i've had that quite a few times on lots of little random really inconsequential things so even with that concept where i'm like my science mind is saying that doesn't work but i have literally experienced that which might make the sense of where the parallel universe tube thing is that you can just see in this timeline Mm -hmm. you can just see a smidge ahead of that in some way or if it's like an echo that's happened so many times it's just almost like a it's like a a cookie for your brain you've Mm -hmm. just been in this situation so many times it's kind of almost a residue thing left there but that's my kind of thoughts and concepts on prophetic dreams and forward thinking and stuff <laughs> parallel universe all yeah. wrapped in one <laughs> all wrapped in one yeah that was a lot because see that's nice uh some well sometimes sometimes it's nice mine are like slightly compartmentalized the the parallel universes thing not even gonna touch um <laughs> i have i have nothing but theories but none of them are concrete they're all fluid they are just as fluid as time itself um i do believe in other dimensions i think is a good way to put it 
uh, I, there's a theory of the inverse reality from time space, which we live in to space or excuse me, space time that we live in to time space. I think I mentioned about it a little bit on the star Wars pod, uh, for the Ahsoka episode. Um, you know, like we traversed space at a rate of time here and there you traverse time at a rate of space. So you take three steps East, you travel X amount of time forward. Uh, you take three steps west, you travel X amount of times backwards, etc. Um, go north and south, it puts you on different timelines, possibly different universes, alternate realities, or deviant paths of the time if you're a big fan of Loki, a branch time, excuse me, where... Oh, fucking hey, man, we're basically talking about Loki at this point. I love Loki, uh, to clarify. Favorite Marvel show. <laughs> yeah, we're living, we're living Loki. Living la vida, Loki. So... When uh, it comes to, I just want to talk about the prophetic dreams and like the the thought pattern. There's a theory that it's one of those chicken or the egg things. Did I have the dream of the future or in the future? Did I send that message back to the past? Hmm. Right. That's one of those things that I've, I've always, it's, I've always enjoyed. It's like an evolutionary thing, but my first memory <laughs> Uh, th- I've had two. Um, one of my first memories growing up was watching my grandfather drive parallel with my dad and I, um, on a separate road, but we could see like, it's one of those neighborhood situations. Um, and I'm like, Oh, that's granddad. And my dad's like, yeah. And there's a point where I'm like, I don't honestly remember if I had deja vu in that moment. Sometimes I feel like I did, but there is one where we were watching unsolved mysteries. I was about three years old. We're laying and I just, I don't remember what episode it was. I'm sure if I saw it today, I'd be like that. That was it. I feel like there was something to do with frying, uh, not frying pan. Um, was it unsolved mysteries? Cause it was nine one one and then unsolved mysteries. They'd come on back to back rescue nine one one, excuse me. Um, and whatever it was, I remember going, oh, yeah, we watched this. And my mom's like, no, this is a brand new episode. Like, no, this, 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 and this happens. It was Rescue 911 because it was one of those um, uh, uh, frying, grease frying accidents that happened and the child got hurt and it's panicky. And I tell my mom about it and she's like, no. And I'm like, yeah, I've seen this. And in my mind, I've seen it in three different viewpoints. My body from my eyeballs, but I'm also watching myself lay on the ground from the angle of the door, almost as if I had, if I were my grandfather, right? Um, and then from outside of that perspective, seeing every single body there, like I'm watching that happen through a TV. Um, and the reason I bring this one up it, more than the others, because the others ones are fun, but it's the chicken or the egg situation. Um, and I've also had really awesome dreams before too like um that you just don't expect to happen but i've also had horrible dreams like oh someone od'd that i know and then two days later the person who od'd in my dream tells me about someone else who od'd that i know and i'm like oh fuck like there it is um or when i was like a teenager i was i was standing in front of three buildings, three brick buildings, and they were about five to seven stories tall. And I'm just like, wow, like that's Bay Medical Center. Like in my mind, I'm like that, that represents Bay Medical Center where I was born. And I was like, this building represents, I don't know, some other high rise building that for the life of me, I don't know where I'd seen it. Um, And then I go to the third one. I'm like, I don't know what that represents. And I get really trashed one night when I'm 20 years old. It was on my 20th birthday, to be fair. And I'm sitting in the parking lot and my buddy's checking on me. I don't, I don't remember. I was like, I'm so hot. He's like, dude, it's 60 degrees. I was like, I'm so hot. Take my shirt off, lean against the car. And I look up and I go, holy shit. And he goes, what? I stand up and I recognize I'm in the parking lot of my dorm in college. And if I did not go to this school, like it's a, it's a, it's a huge one of those points. If I didn't go to this college, I would not be the man I was today. And I'm looking up and I go, I dreamt about these three buildings when I was 15 years old in my dreams. And I labeled them all, everything I just said, dude's like, huh, that's weird. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, down to the point where I started having deja vu. And I was like, oh, hold on. 
where's the car? And a car drives by. And I was like, that the person lives on. And I just called out where they lived. Cause I'm like, yeah, I know who that is. And I had never seen them in the car before. It was one of those weird ass things. But the three-year-old situation I bring up specifically, we got back. Everything's cyclical. Um, There's in that book, Journey of Souls, they talk about the afterlife. You know, step one, when you die, you you exit the body and you're not really aware that you've died unless you're used to it. And you're like, oh, I died. And you see your family sad and you're trying to tell them it's okay. Like, I'm alive. Um, I'm still alive. Like you'll see me soon type thing. Or, you know, depends on if it was a traumatic death, then the soul panics, right? The soul is very, very connected to the body. And sometimes that severance is painful. Um, as some of my uh, past life dreams have been. So the next stage is like you, you get sucked through a tube. If you, have you seen the movie soul? No. By Pixar? Oh yes. No. Yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where they have that big tube to jump into like earth. That's actually from the book that I read and I, I'd heard about it. I watched the movie and I'm pointing out all these things that are like referenced in this book in a way, or I guess they're pulling reference from because the book that I read journey of souls, I learned about it in a different book, synchronicity key. And I just recently went through journey of souls. So I knew about it for a while. And this book I think was written in first time in like the eighties or nineties. So it's been around for a long time. Um, you go through various stages of the afterlife, one of which is like a counseling and therapy for the soul. I've had dreams of that. I've had dreams of an entire like the entire afterlife. Actually, I had a dream of the entire afterlife stage to the point where like I'm getting ready to go back to Earth and I'm seeing all the people that I'm that I'm going to see. And like, I love them. Like, oh, my God. And they're like celebrating me going back. Oh, like we're, we're so excited. We can't wait to see you again. Like, it's going to be so much fun. And. I come to a point and I'm like, wait, what's happening? Cause I wasn't really clear. And it's like, we got to send you back. I was like, wait, why? I, I don't want to go back. Like, I don't want to go back. And it's like, it's okay. We'll see you soon. And shout out. He who remains really fast. Uh, and then I turn around and it's crazy. Like I turn around and I mean, I'm talking Japan. I feel like I've seen it somewhere, but you got two mountains right next to each other looking beautiful and a Japanese architecture building. And I'm like, wow, that's beautiful. And I wake up and I'm like, what the hell? At some point during the night, I would wake up and start jotting down that I started doing dream journals when I was in 2018. I did so dream I've journals had- when I was in college. Yeah. Funny enough, fact, yeah, about 14 years ago. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah, I've got oh, some dude. as well. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, dude, that was when I really started like comprehending what was happening in dreams a lot more and like finding my meaning and message and looking for symbolism. Um, I don't always remember my dreams enough to write them down when I first wake up. And sadly, I feel like I'm way too busy to be doing that as of late. It takes ages when you want to write down a dream. Like I I had a little notepad, an A5 notepad. So any Mm -hmm. like half the social normal bit of paper. And I would write on that and I'd probably get, you know, a short dream would be just two pages of that, but that'd still take like quite a while to write it. But I remember having a few dreams, which were quite long, full big a4 size piece of paper and double-sided like i think one of them was like nine or eight double-sided so it's like handwriting nearly 20 pages i've still got it somewhere of a nightmare where it was like a cockroach it was basically a hopper from uh, bug's life but like giant going after me and it was like this whole thing that lasted ages and i was writing dreams then because certain nightmares kept happening so i wrote them down and normally writing down recurring dreams can get rid of them Um, Mm. so i like I used that tactic and wrote down my nightmare dreams and it helped. So, sorry. It, yeah. I've, I've it, writing down dreams takes forever. I've often yeah. thought I'd like to write them down, but it takes, especially if you want to write in decent detail. And also when you forget the dream, like when you reread it, you want to be able to visualize kind of what you did re- remember and not have a, a, a vision. Cause sometimes you remember a memory or maybe remember a dream and details change a bit. I do it with movies or actors where I'm like mm-hmm. a certain feature of an actor is more prominent. And I th- then in my memory, I think how they look and then I see them. I'm like, oh, I thought that, you know, if someone's got like a really big eyebrows or something and I just, in my head, they've got bigger eyebrows than they really do. Little yeah. things like that. So I think that writing them down can really, really help. But sorry, you and your dream journals. Did you have a dream dictionary as well? Did you look up stuff to do with like the meanings of yes. the dreams? Because I went through that yeah. phase. I've got a dream dictionary somewhere where I'd like read Ooh. through... A whole dictionary. No, I just Google it and I, I would type it out in my phone. Um, I suppose yours was a few years ago. Mine was over a decade ago. So. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So like I would wake up in the middle of the night and like 
I would start to, I'm, I have great muscle memory with my fingers. So like I can close my eyes and type on my phone and autocorrect helps a lot. I'm not saying I'm a God, <laughs> uh, with the, the, with the finger types, but it's very helpful. Um, so getting back to the afterlife to the mm. specific stage that I'm talking about, it's called life selection. And it's like, you go into this big circle, like you're there and it's like, Oh, I'm like in a room and there's like one big, it's like a bunch of screens is surrounding me or one big scene. It's like a loop of possibility similar to the sacred timeline. Um, and in it, you can like see the various views, like the various lives that your soul can choose to go to learn the lessons that you need to learn. And it's given to you. And it's like you here are the selections that you have based on what you're wanting to do. You've talked with your guide and what the people above you know about you. Um, and uh, everything in there is communicated via like thought. No one speaks. There's no mouths, nothing like that. But you can sense like, oh, this person is that person. And I always like view them in this gender and, and vice versa, because that's how they always present themselves and stuff like that. So it's uh, really interesting how the mind, like the, the, the quote unquote mental energy of the soul is so powerful in the spirit world. And then you look at the lives and I just listened to it. So I wasn't aware of this, but like basically you're watching on a TV screen, you, you're in a chair, you have a fast forward, a play, a stop, a rewind, and you can kind of see certain moments like you can scan the life and see certain moments and then you can go into it and you can fly around essentially like as the soul, you can fly into the scene and kind of view and see people, hear people. You can go into the viewpoint of other people, uh, which was crazy to me hearing about in the book. I was like, whoa. And so that three viewpoints of something, right? My viewpoint which I, I I remember having. I remember this looking at my mom going, oh, I've seen this one. And it's like, no, it's a brand new episode. Then the viewpoint from my fa- uh, from the back room, or the like the watching over everyone would definitely have been my grandfather because he would come in. He had a different place. He'd watch TV because, you know, good old people born in the 30s would do stuff like that. And so he would come in and watch sometimes and then walk away. You know, I mean, I do this exact same thing here. And now I walk in like, yeah, what you watching? dope okay i'm gonna go back to my my cave um and so it's like oh did i share the same soul with my grandfather or did i just hop into his eyes and viewpoint and see how much he felt and loved and hear the emotions and comprehend his experience in this time in this reality um and this space and like that's the way that souls choose bodies and then they also will like pre-plan certain things one of the things that I always sticks out to me is one person was a Viking peak physical specimen. And they just, they live to fight and fuck essentially. That's literally what she said is like, that's all I wanted to do. I wanted to be in peak physical condition. And I wanted to be, I wanted to know what it was like to be one of the most powerful humans on earth. It's like, well, what other choices did you have? Well, it was this Viking or being a, a Greek soldier. I'm like, well, why didn't you do the Greek soldier? Well, I didn't really want to be chained up to the politics of not having control of where I go and who I see and all of that. Like I wanted freedom and being a Viking offered me more, quote unquote, freedom from all of that, all of the trappings of society. And in the 1800s, I believe, um, she saw, and this is the part that gets super trippy. Like she saw a point where the girl was jiggling on a, on a cage or whatever. And the soul knew that it needed to go through some trauma and I need to re-listen to it because it's not as fresh right now. So I could make the story wrong. It's jiggling on the lock. Her parent mom says not to. And she um, keeps doing it. And eventually the door opens of the carriage. She falls out and she, where, when she falls, the wheels go over her femurs, breaking them because it's so old in time, she can never really walk again without major assistance and crutches. So that makes her be less physically adept and allows her to grow her mind and be ends up being like a, a, a writer, a famous writer, but with um, a pseudonym because she's a woman back in the day. Um, and so 
helped teach others and expand her intellectual growth and knowledge that helps the spirit as well. So they're talking about it. And it's like, did you choose to do that? Did you force that girl's legs to be broken? Or was she already, she's like, well, I saw the opportunity. She was jiggling on it and I could have stopped her and saved her or continued on with it and went and we made an agreement. Like, and that's how it was described. Like the body and the soul made the agreement. So if you ever have something where you're doing something and you hear a thought like, maybe I shouldn't do this. It's probably your soul talking to you saying, hey, we don't want to do this. This isn't the time. And then you could choose because that's the key thing is like the soul. That's the that's the that's the fucking awesome thing I love about this destiny is it's it's written, but it's not like it is exactly. uh, As as chaotic as it could be, because. The soul, the soul is like, I could have nudged her further away from doing it and made her stop and made her listen. But, and she might have chosen that on her own if I didn't give, like, lean into, we need to do this. And so if you've ever had something happen physically to you where all of a sudden you're in a different state of consciousness, I've had plenty of concussions. Almost every single time I'm able to call out what people are going to say. I had one time in a football game where I was like, don't ask me if I'm okay. I'm going to be fine. Like, how did you know I was going to ask you? I was like, well, first off, I have a concussion. Any sane person would ask me that. Second off, you were three seconds away from doing it. I've been here before. No, I'm not going to go to a doctor. Yes, we should continue playing. And no, he's not going to throw the ball. And like, I just started calling shit out. And people were like, what the fuck? And I was like, listen, guys, I've had plenty of concussions. I can tell you right now, I get a little bit prophetic with shit happening. And I was like, and I'm at a point where I'm in a lot of pain. And I think today is Friday. And I was like, and because I don't know if it's Friday, that's how I know I'm really calling out the little moments because that's a microscopic thing that you can't keep track of. But I don't know how to describe it. I feel like when I get hit in the head to a certain degree, I can keep track of such minute little details that like I have this little precognition of being able to read thoughts because my thoughts are fucking scramble brains. Um, Whereas I couldn't tell you what day it is because that's trivial as fuck. What is time? Um, and then I have, um, like when you get a major injury, it almost stamps into you. There is a specific level of pain that my body will get to, and it happens a lot. And I have a lot of key memories dating back to early, early childhood. Um, allegedly I broke my neck at birth. Uh, there's no way to really find that out. The story of my birth was that the doctor kept telling my mom she wasn't dilated enough for me to come out. If anyone knows me, I don't give a fuck what the doctor says. I'm going to do it anyway. Um, So I legitimately, not to get gross, she had to have so many stitches because I just was like, hey, surprise, motherfucker. Um, To the point that the doctor had just got his gloves on, turned around and went, oh, shit, and caught me. Uh, That is the story of my birth. So there's a likelihood that I jammed my neck and... What I've been told is that I didn't get enough nurturing from my family because love heals, right? Um, on a metaphysical level, love heals. And because the baby's joints aren't fully developed and the bones aren't full, like full on yet at that point at birth, um, that I should have healed with love and nurturing. But I didn't get that. And so my skull deformed. I was left alone to cry a lot, which is a fact. I never slept, probably from the trauma. And Um, so like I have memories from really early on in life and every time I've been told about the story of my birth, I'm like, I feel like I was there and I can not in a joking way, but like I have energetic feelings like Leia, there's a canon issue of like, I remember a face, a feeling more than anything. And people are like, how, how can she remember that? She was a baby dude. This is how like. The energy that an infant absorbs, that's all they're absorbing. Energy, information. That is what happens as soon as you pop out of the womb. And there are cases that the uh, the baby knows more inside the womb than we could ever fathom, um, especially leading up to the moments of birth. And, you know, it's the whole the baby kind of does like the baby kind of can choose when to come out. In a in a theory way, in a metaphysical thing that I don't have enough evidence to dive into They'll call it my feeling. So the body 
will always keep score and the body is key to getting our soul through different things. I'm pretty sure there are specific injuries that were demanded that I have happen. Um, I mean, to the point that like I'm doing a football drill, American 15 years old. And I'm like, Hey, I, I was like, I shouldn't be doing this drill. I don't think this is makes logical sense. I was like, why, why am I going to have to run the ball? I have no fucking clue what I'm doing. You're putting a ball in my hand and wanting me to be a running back. If you want someone to make him have to earn this tackle and this drill, someone who's ever been a running back, just let me block. Dude's like, oh, blah, 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 blah. don't be a bitch. Essentially, rub dirt on it. Sure, fucking enough. Separate my shoulder. It happened one time. Got hit. Ball landed on my ribs. Shoved my ribs over just a little bit. My dad said, I've always had this little notch in my ribs. I debate that on a lot. A lot. I debate it all the time. Um, and then, like, there's a bulge in my sternum, basically, because it. Feel, I feel like it like jammed super hard. Separated my shoulder, which led to years of degradation in the joint. Um, apparently I tore my labrum at some point in my right shoulder from that injury or later on. And it had healed with massive scar tissue. That was like a precognition, like something bad is about to happen. Did I manifest that or was it meant to be that eventually led to, um, the start of me no longer playing football because I just couldn't keep up physically anymore. The concussions didn't help either. (laughs) My left shoulder though. Is during fight choreography, working at a Ren fair. Everything was going fine. Everything was going fine. There was nothing wrong. I had no idea it was coming. Take a fall. And here's the thing I'd been told I've watched wrestling, pro wrestling. I have a habit to slap the mat basically when I go down. And I'm taking a fall that you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to basically hit the ass and roll back. And then let your feet come back so it looks more aggressive. I was tired. They asked if we could do it one more time. I was like, one more time, and then I need a break. I was like, I got one more in me, and then I need a break. I knew I needed a break right then, but I was being a stubborn shithead. These factors lead up. I take the fall. I go to pr- I go to slap the mat. I go down too fast. Catch my el- left elbow on it. Pop my right sh- or my shoulder all the way out. And I'm instantly I'm like. I'm like, oh God, I'm in trouble. That hurt a lot. Okay, that'll be fine. It's it's just, it's separated a little bit. We'll be fine. Put my left hand on the ground and put all the force in my hand to push it off and I got nothing. No pain, no anything. And I look over and by this point, as soon as I hit the ground, time was no longer real. I had millions of thoughts, fight or flight response. I was ready to fight. I knew I was in pain and I was going to finish. Once I put my hand on the ground, I realized, holy, I'm in a lot of trouble. From that point, I'm like, I know what I have to do to finish this fight, and then we'll go from there. Uh, I basically like swivel my hips to get me back up, finish the fight with one hand. My arm is dangling by my side, but no one really notices. Um, at least that day I was. Grab the sword, hold. And my partner's like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, why? She's like, I heard a pop and I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, I think I, I think I dislocated my shoulder, popped it back in. She goes, oh my God. And I was like, the show is going to have to go on. If I'm hurt, fuck it. I'm hurt, but don't tell anyone. And we do it a couple more times. And like, my arm is bad. I'd already had surgery. And if I did not have that happen, I would have never had my shoulder surgery, which would have never challenged my work on my mental health, which by that point I'd been out of therapy for a while. And like you're talking about anchor points, this is a guaranteed anchor point because I'd been doing well. I wasn't back into therapy yet. I don't believe. No, I wasn't. Cause it was after surgery when I was like, at a, I don't give a fuck about being alive state. Um, we did that three months later, three months later, I had to have surgery cause it had, degraded to a point that I couldn't keep it in socket no matter what my muscles did. Um, it was 50% over 50% hanging off the bone and they had to stretch it back and reattach. And 
that put me into a depressive state because I had surgery. I couldn't use my arm. I had a lot of good things going on, but it was like, if that didn't happen, I don't know if I get back into therapy as fast as I did. If I didn't do that, then I don't think that I start growing and dealing with my early childhood trauma that nobody knew about. And from there, I wouldn't have grown and gotten deeper and deeper and deeper into the spiritual level because I was already kind of deep. But once I had that, I had nothing but time. So I would read more. I would meditate more. When I was in pain, I would literally just lay down on my back and breathe because I knew that breathing will release the pain. And that got me to a point where now, I actually, it also took me out of physical activity, which is the big key of that injury, similar to the lady who had her legs. So that's one of those things where I'm like, I had to have that happen. That was chosen. My soul understood it was happening and it could have pushed me to say, hey, don't do it. Don't don't take one more. But even looking back, I was like, I'm tired, but I can do one more. Like full confidence, no issue. And there's other times where I've had, I was like, I don't know if I should do one more. I was like, give me a second. You know, I was just like, no, let's start right now. And gung-ho right on into it. Had done the fight hundreds of times by this point. Separated, took the shoulder out, popped it back in, and I did it hundreds of times after that point. And the in the book, the lady is like, yeah, um, you know, sometimes you have to balance the karma. And she's like, so I chose a weak body because... I'd always had a strong physical body, but I never focused on intellect or emotions. Like, so that helped me balance the scales of that journey. And uh, I don't know how the hell we got here. Oh, yeah, past lives and dreams and all that good shit. Um, and so that is like my my view on on destiny. It's there are anchor points, and how you get between those anchor points is where the free will comes in because the soul can only do so much. God can only do so much. We have to make the choice on the planet in the same way that, you know, your parents can only do so much. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't teach it to drink. You know, if you teach a man, you give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. You teach him to fish, he'll eat for a lifetime. It's one of those like those um, what came first type of things. Did you did the injury happen because it was destined or did the injury happen because you chose? And it's one of those, it's my favorite thing about life, man. There's no true deep answer. Yeah, it's it's interesting with free will because one of the ideas is when, what, what like there's, there's ways you can kind of, what's the term, rationalize how mm-hmm. one feels about things. You know, my love of Star Wars, The ration- rationally, it's because it's an interconnected universe, so I can read all these different bits of com- content, they all connect together. Um, it was a connection to my, my dad, because he passed away before the sequel trilogy was announced, and I have fond memories connected with him. And also, it's got the nostalgia element of something I quite liked when I was a kid. I've always enjoyed sci-fi, and a lot of the books and novels and video games are incredible. Obviously, I love the films and series as well, but there's a lot of great content in certain ways. So there's a great way to rationalize that, but you can either, you can also go, yeah, or it's just a connection to the dad, and it's like, fair, that could be a reason. Or you could say, well, my destiny in air quotes, what my soul is driven to do, is to do this podcast, to speak with you and other individuals I've spoken to to do with Star Wars, and that's put me on a certain trajectory of something else. Like, one of the things I found about podcasting is the best things for me out of podcasting are not the things I thought I would get from doing it. Like, I just needed a creative outlet. I, I just needed, you know, I used to have a YouTube show. I used to make music videos for bands. Like, I've, I've always had something. And mm-hmm. so, for a period of time, I started writing, like, a, a book as well. Like, a guide to life in air quotes. Because a 17-year-old or 17 to 22-year-old knows how to live your life, clearly. Um, but, like, <laughs> I started doing these creative outlets and things. But then with podcasting, the thing that I found that is the most valuable is the people I've met. And, you know, the, the conversations I have are great. But the mm-hmm. people I've met as as a because of the conversations i have because of my desire to have these conversations because of my love of star wars to have star wars adjacent conversations it's made me meet people and a lot of my podcasting friends i would class as some of my best friends in the world like and i would never thought i would have make mm-hmm. those friends from podcasting and so what made me 
love Star Wars. What made me get into podcasting? I, I've described it as the pull, you know, and it, many people have many different words. There's intuition for it, as a gut feeling. Like I've, since dad passing away, especially, I've really tried to focus just kind of my gut to kind of go live. What, if I stand still, what is that gentle breeze? Where is it pushing me? Like, where am I? And I, I, I'm qualified to do sailing as well. So it's quite a good metaphor. Hey, I spent f- f- uh, four years sailing. So I can rig up a, a small sailboat, a dinghy or pico, um, a catamaran, you know, the ones with the two blades. I can rig one of those up and sail one, um, things like that. Like, I I love to sail. I love water. Um, I say I love to sail. I haven't sailed in many years because it's quite <laughs> an expensive thing to keep up and I don't own a boat. Um, but, you know, that the kind of going with the wind thing is when I what made me want to do podcasting is the pull. I just had this feeling that I kind of wanted to when people would talk about it and etc. And something just drew drew me to it. And it's like, well, I can think that's free will. I can think that's you know, there's the nature versus nurture, you know, conversation, which is like everything up to my point. If you could somehow mathematically work it out, it would have driven me to this point and this point and this point. You can almost predict someone's life almost in that way, uh, in theory, but. It's just one of those things that I kind of think imagination in itself. Some of the greatest songs ever written as an easy example was just one individual who wrote a song and made it incredible. You know, there's so many countless individuals, you know, like Presley comes to mind and things like that. There's loads of others. But like, what made them write the song? What, what? At some, when you write a song, you just get... Nowadays, obviously, because there's so much other music, you can think maybe it's influence. But back when you go back far enough, when there wasn't even that much influence, even if you go to like classic composers, or even people who created music, like all these... How far you want to go. What is the thing that's making you think that? What what pressure is on the human brain that's making you do that? And I think the theory of the pineal gland uh, connecting with something else is like, there is there an antenna in your brain? Like... Mm that would explain how certain people can just, you know, I've said things before with Megan where we've, and I think couples do this quite a lot when you spend a lot of time with someone um, in close proximity and twins do it and other family members, where it's like, Megan will just be thinking something and I'll know exactly what she said. And she will attest to this. No, none of this, I think I'm psychic or anything. But like, she legitimately has been like, um, before she's just said, guess what I'm thinking? And I'll just be like this. And it's once it was just dogs in blankets, but this was very on our, early on in our relationships. It was doggy in a bike in a blanket or something, like a dog in the front basket of a bike with a blanket over it. And it was just completely innocuous. And I was just like that, really specific. And we weren't talking about anything close to that at all. And we'd never mentioned it prior. She was like, how the hell did you know that? That's exactly what it was. And little threads of that happening. And I'm like, mm-hmm. the what the brain is capable of and what it connects to is just such a... A peculiar thing the fact that you know two humans can basically and this works all animals can get together and basically put parts of themselves in the other and then make a person who's able to have coherent thought and be able to have all these things and conceptualize like how will they not be connected to their parents they're literally made from the same stuff how would they not be connected well they would be in certain ways okay but we're all made from the same stuff so surely we're all connected to some degree and then you look at like the tree of life and like how connected we are with like bananas and like other animals and other things and like where it all kind of stems from and it's like it's even on the kind of as we start to wrap up like the scientific mind of me mm whenever I latch on to these ideas, like I've even got theories about ghosts links in with the, you know, I don't believe in ghosts necessarily, but energy is never, is always transferred. You know, it's like, well, in theory, that's a possibility then because energy can, you know, it's all these little threads that when I look at in a scientific lens and I try to rein it back from a spiritual element and something I think people describe as like, you know, it's hand wavy or it's a bit hippie or anything like that. You know, it's a bit, um, I can't think of the exact term they use, uh, but it's like derogatory terms to say um, spirituality nonsense, that kind of thing. And it's like woo woo, woo hoo. That's it. That's it. Woo woo. Yeah. And it's like when people think of that, I'm like, I try and look at it. If I go down a rabbit hole, I try and bring it back from a scientific perspective. And a mm-hmm. lot of the time, you can with simple scientific rules. It's very interesting. Yeah, I I completely agree. That's where I started. You know, the source field investigation. Um, the writer David Wilcock. I will give him credit for that book. It's very good. It's a research novel. Then the synchronicity key is also a research novel, but boy, there's a lot more of his personal ideals and ideas shoved into that one. Um, It's got great stuff in there, but it's like, this is happening. That's happening. This is happening. That's happening. I'm telling you, this is the truth. And it's like, ah, it's, that sir is what we like to call a projection. Uh, Cause I don't actually agree with what you're saying. 
Um, but the source field investigation is very scientifically based. You know, the the energy connection thing found out from a polygraph. And then there's so many other little things kind of spread throughout in the fact that like life on other planets exists because there is um there are frozen bacteria in space dust or something like that, I think is what he mentioned in the book that has been proven. So if that lands on our planet, that's a bacteria that'll change, change the entire environment or lands on another planet could spawn an entire new species. So like, there's a lot of science based in all that. And when it comes to, you know, the, the brainwaves of it all, that's, you know, a lot of <laughs> in America, my crew, it's always like, man, I just need someone to like read my energy and like my vibes. And like, especially when I don't know what I'm trying to say, you know, it's like, that's when I need someone the most to just like feel, feel what I'm saying. And I'm like, no, I, and I will be very honest. There's a lot of people who are like, I don't want to have to express my boundaries. I just kind of want someone to understand my boundaries. And I'm like, listen, as a kid with Tourette's, I'm really good at energy. But if you're trying to have a boundary, darling, you got to you got to fucking man up and say it. Just say it. I will understand it and I'll respect it. It'll be easier to respect if I know it's it's like consent. I don't know if you're wanting this or not. Just use your words, please. Um, so that's kind of how I approach in general life itself. Like, can't tell you how much it gets me in trouble. I used to trust my gut all the time. And then it got to a point where I was like, oh, whoa, I don't know. Like, then I started questioning myself. I started fearing it. And um, I really started fearing it around the time of my shoulder surgery. So I've been going through a really dark transitive. I mean, I was going through a very dark transitive transit transit transformational. We'll go with that word period after my shoulder surgery, which would have been 2018. So like 26, 27 years old. Um, and so like, it, it was, it was a lot. I just, I went through a lot physically, emotionally, had to rebuild my strength in my left arm. I mean, I still have problems with it now. Um, especially up like in nerves in my neck. Um, I can't extend my fingers all the way when I extend my arm, you know, there's little things, right. Um, and when it comes to, where was I going? Uh, brainwaves, 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 reading signals, boo, boo, boo. So the the ability for us to perceive the vibrational frequencies of another person or an animal or the wind you know that is i think what the force and what superpowers come from your ability to understand no your ability to accurately interpret the vibrations that you're feeling um little anecdote hurricane michael in Panama City, Florida, it was a Category 5. It wiped out an entire town, wiped it right off the face of the earth, except for, I think, five or six buildings. Um, and it it wiped out almost every tree um, east of our bridge. So Panama City Beach is beautiful. Everyone's like, oh, it's so nice here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, they didn't help us rebuild after. Um, so there's a little bit of a snobbiness on that side of the bridge. <laughs> Um, from the politics specifically. So fuck politics. Um, there was no power for a long time. I went back two days after it happened to help my dad kind of clean up. And once he shut the generator off, it was weird. I don't know how to describe it. It was weird. When I got into town, there's always been a darkness in Panama city. Um, also found out it could be because we mowed down a bunch of like Indian grave mounds back in like the late 1800s when people moved in here. I don't know. Just found that out. going to research that because that'd be a great horror movie. Um, but there's always been this like weird, dark energy of anger in the town. I've, I've always theorized because we're an hour away from the time zone change. So, you know, especially in the winter, it gets dark at four o'clock in the afternoon here because, you know, it gets it in, which sucks because, it's like 5, 5.30 on the East Coast. And because it's on the East Coast coming off the water, it gets light earlier over there. You get daylight a little earlier. So you kind of get that radiation energy. And then over here, it's why they call it seasonal depression. I and mean, there's just a darkness of lots of drug use and stuff like that. It's traumatic at times for a lot of people here. And coming back, I was like, oh, I don't know about this. And then I like walk outside and I'm just like, 
there's nothing but fear and sadness in this entire area. And I was like, all the trees were dead. And it's like, I was feeling their pain. Like they were snapped in half, bent over cars were crushed. Houses were destroyed. People were in terror. Um, Cause it was two days after this entire, a lot of people stayed. They didn't know it was going to be a cat five. It was a cat three the day before my dad woke up at two or three in the morning. saw it was a cat five or was becoming a cat four. And he's like, Oh God, it's going to hit us directly as a cat four, maybe a cat five. So he woke up his girlfriend and they got the fuck out of town. I had some family, my mom, and my sister stayed. They were asleep. They didn't get his phone call at that time. They slept until pretty much landfall. And then they rode out a massive storm that went through the, it dropped barely any rain. It was basically a five mile wide tornado moving at about 12 miles an hour, which is honestly, or maybe it was five. It was, it was pretty fast overall, but the amount of damage it can do in that time and that spread was insanity. So the whole County was basically destroyed from a massive tornado that went really slowly. Um, and the trauma that people had to go through, the PTSD is super fucking real now. And there's a lot of people who like, they're like, nothing gets me. Right. And then I see them just break one day and like, I'm fucking wrong. And I was like, dude, did you stay during hurricane Michael? And they're like, yeah. I was like, that's why I'm like, dude, it's not, it's okay to be stressed. It's okay to have fear. Fear sometimes is healthy because it reminds you you're alive. And I could feel all of that. My dad shuts off the generator and then I feel an absence, like an emptiness inside of me. It's because I've never been around a place that didn't have electricity for longer. Like, and when I say electricity, we go camping in the woods. There are towns. There is electricity. There was living trees. There were dead trees at my dad's house and there wasn't electricity for, I couldn't even tell you how many miles. Tallahassee didn't have electricity. There were places in Georgia that didn't have electricity. Um, pretty much my dad was right on the edge of one of the eye walls. So going west for a long time, going east for a long time, north and south, none of it. My dad didn't get electricity for like 30 days because that's how far out of town he lived. So I had one of the worst panic attacks of my life that night because I just couldn't handle the vibrational energetic difference in the world. And that was one of the, that was about the time where it solidified into me, like everything around us is important. And then it started to teach me um, like, okay, so maybe that electricity and the understanding is why I can feel the atmosphere change. Like I'm super sensitive to it. Didn't realize it. Um, and then I learned that I have sensory perceptive disorder, which is more about not having spatial awareness at times, but like my hearing is atrociously sensitive. Um, I can hear people. It, it's like, I can feel the wind whisper into my ear that something's happening. I would, um, like physically speaking, I'd be sitting at the front desk at a job and, you know, almost 300 feet away would be um, down two through three double doors. A fire alarm goes off and I'm like, oh, I think the fire alarm's going off. I walk back there and I hit it off. I'm like, how did you hear that? I, was like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. And that is it. And that is like a little superpower in and of itself. Um, speaking of like, you know, you don't believe in the psychic powers. I have a book that my friend gave me. I read one chapter or one sequence. It's like 25 things to do to kind of build your psychic powers. Um, and the first one is listen to every little thing. Listen to everything. Quiet your mind and try and call out like that is a generator humming. That's uh, the sound of a blender. That is the sound of this. Like And diagnose and categorize like you do when meditating. And it's basically what you're doing, but you're tapping into the sound um break into like categorize all the frequencies and i started doing that and that was the last thing i did because i started i just one of the things it says is you got to be ready and for the responsibility of these powers right which maybe it's super powerful but like your ability to hear means you probably hear more sensitive information than people will recognize which then means you have to have a good responsibility 
to not divulge said information. It's like having a what is that thing called? Oh my god, um, a uh, security clearance in a way is how I view what that statement is. Is you're going to learn shit, and knowledge is power. You can abuse the power, or you can cultivate the power. The light side and the dark side, and at that time, I was just not ready. And it was a couple years later, I had that panic attack. And then it's come forward a few years. And I'm like, man, I still struggle. I still struggle in my hometown. I was not a fan here. And the energy of my childhood is chaotic. I was at my dad's house. And we were talking about ghosts earlier. And this popped into my head. I, When I'm at my dad's house for longer than a visit, I can feel the ghosts of my childhood. Which is not to say there were ghosts there and there were dead people and all that. No, more of the emotional imprint. The emotional imprint. Thank you. That the 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 heightened emotions and the fear and the stress and the anxiety is laced in every room in that house. And um, when I go back there, like I I went there and I was just angry for like three and a half days while like dog sitting and I wasn't doing shit. I had no reason to be angry, but I was angry. Then I'd walk outside and I'd feel better and I'd leave the house and I'd come back and I'd walk in. I'm instantly angry. And it's like, what the fuck? And I had a, did one of my pineal gland meditations. And I started having visions of like things that would happen in my childhood, but like on a different level than a memory, it was more of like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It was like, I could see the vibration at the moment. So like there's a specific corner that I go to walk around and even as an adult and it's to- looks totally different now. It's like I had that instant memory like my sister jumped around this corner in a scary mask when I was six and freaked me out and traumatized me. Oh, she shoved me down into that closet and locked me in there and told me there were snakes in there. Like she really fucked with me. Uh, <laughs> so like all these little things and I don't know if ghosts in the way that everyone believes in or everyone like talks about them exist but the emotional imprint is what i look at ghosts all ghosts every being that they talk about i think that's what that is and then um man to get like super weird really fast you talk about like entities uh and the power of the brain and how powerful it really is tulpas um I don't know if you know what that is, but it's like Mothman. People dreamed of Mothman and made this character uh, up. Right. And then all of a yeah. sudden they're seeing it like they manifest it into a reality, which is like bombastic. And that's another one of those chicken or the egg things. Was Mothman real and like imprinted itself into someone's mind so they could then create it and it can branch into our reality? Or does the mind have the ability to create something so strong and so powerful that it's there? Yeah, ghosts. I mean, I mean, yeah, you've tackled a lot of things there, but we yeah, did not have journey. Holy we shit. don't have infinite time, and I wish we did. Um, so I have to come yeah. back to this because there's more about sort of calm, yeah. good and evil we can delve into. Oh, I will just yeah. comment that with again, what I like to try and do here is any a lot of people listen to this, uh, these kind of discussions, and I want to always give the balanced perspective of you know you've got the people who think it's uh you know woo woo, but also just think about it scientifically in a sense of. With the memories, um, either past memories of yourself or of like previous lives people have lived and you kind of tuning into that, thinking it's uh, potentially your your own soul that's tuned into that. The thing is, memories, at the end of the day, same as uh, you know emotions to a different degree, but memories are just electrical signals in your brain. There is a way to transfer those. There's a way to connect them. There's a way to tune into those in some ways. The technology as we're going forward with Neuralink and there's even those things you can uh, put electrodes on people's brains and see what mm-hmm. dreams they're having. And you can have like the things where you do the thought and it's like how the brain sees a thought from like you when you're watching TV, how your brain kind of processes it. Like there's literal mm-hmm. stuff that people can all look into and find how like all the electrodes plugged into brains and what can be seen from that and like where the technology is going to go from here and all that kind of craziness. So that's a very interesting part. But I will also say like something very simple baseline that everyone can understand if all of this is making your head spin, okay? Wi-Fi, wireless internet connection, ignoring even the phone, because that's a whole other thing of satellite, but just think Wi-Fi. You have a router in your house and you can connect it and you can send data via the internet 
from a box somewhere into your electronical devices. Mm-hmm. They're, they're in the air. There, There is something going on in the air past you, through you, that literally has to get the devices we are speaking on right now is connected. You know, some things are wired connection. Obviously, that's a lot more easy to fit, to to perceive. But Wi-Fi and things, wireless connection, the energy that is making this information is literally all around us. It's going through the air. So that in itself, if you can believe that Wi-Fi can exist because of the way that the router sends information and the way that the laptop or the tablet or phone receives the information, if you can comprehend that and you can think that is possible, which it is because we're doing it, who's to say that there's not just other ways of transferring that information wirelessly? You have phones now, which you can just literally, you don't have to plug it in, you just put it near another phone, it can transfer the the data, it's the, the, the energy it's got in its battery, there's all kinds of stuff like this. Like You put that on a biological scale, without the confines of just our simple senses to be able to process those, mm-hmm. there's so much groupthink, ants, often have a hive mind, like all kinds of different things. You can go so deep into that, and I'm just saying the electrical impulses and the memories and past lives, if people are being very skeptical of them, and I'm not saying believe everything, but like even yeah. the theory of it can be feasible with the right parameters in place using what we understand about kind of where we are today. Um so thomas thank you so much for sharing all of that information and things some of the deeply personal uh, experiences you've had any final things that you want to say and also your plugs and any way people can find you i'll put details in the description but the floor is yours good sir as we begin to wrap this up yeah i definitely recommend uh two books one is very science and the other is hypnosis which is a science that we don't understand is how I mean, it's a science I don't understand, I should say. Uh, so some might call it magic uh, where I come from. They're one and the same. Shout out Thor. Um, the first book is Source Field Investigations. I've talked about it here. You really want to get into the science of it all. And I'm I was I'm a very science guy. I was not spiritual. I believed in this ability to sh- spread and share information because of Wi-Fi and wireless signals and all that. I was like, well, radio waves exist, sonar exists. So there's obviously something here. Um, and I, I I always felt like time travel was possible, but it wasn't about speed. It was more about a vibrational frequency, which speed could be argued as getting you to. Um, and some of the stuff I talked about is from there. I think they referenced Journey of Souls, but I'm going to recommend that book entirely uh, because that is just a great book to, to dive into. Um, there's that, and then there's another one after that, uh, which I can't remember uh, what that's called. Destiny of author. Souls, maybe. Yes, the same author, Dr. Michael Newton. Cool. Well, um, I've already written down Source, source for Investigations, uh, Journey oh, of Souls, Wim yes. Hof, The Synchronicity Key. Um, yeah. So I've written those things down. Um, I think, as in continue to plug and continue this train yeah. of thought, but is there anything else you want me to note? I will put in the show notes. So keep on, keep on yes. listening if you want to. So source field investigation and synchronicity key are by David Wilcock. Mm-hmm. Um, that's important to note. And then um, Dr. Michael Newton is the author and practitioner for the journey of souls. Um, and I, I, I cannot recommend those more. Um, and then I also would just say, go look up um, meditations on YouTube and just chill out. Uh, that's the best way for me to to plug that. It's because yeah, the more meditations you do, the more that you focus in, the better you're going to end up. And I'm going to recommend Morning Guided Meditations on YouTube. It's a playlist with 522 videos, so scroll and pick randomly. It's what I do. I like to let the feeling guide me. And it is by uh, Great Meditation, at Great Meditation on YouTube. Um, I use them regularly. And um, that is uh, those are guided meditations. It's very nice to have. And it, what I love about guided meditation, especially if you're new, is it those the, then, them talking will take you out of your own thought process, which is very, very good for beginners. The, I, my first guided meditation was doing yoga the very end we'd sit down and it would guide us through a body scan and i can't tell you how much a body scan really means to me these days to find uh losing feeling in my body really and just hitting a different vibration so those are my recommendations um all of them are going to be uh 
You're going to take from it what your mind and soul needs. You can find me on the socials at TC Rochester Act. That is T-C-R-O-C-H-E-S-T-E-R-A-C-T. Sometimes I post, I mostly post about Star Wars on Twitter. And uh, every now and then I drop some dog videos on uh, on my Instagram stories. Um, and you can follow some of my acting journey on that as well. And then, of course, Reckless Rebellion, where we talk about all things Star Wars. Um, we're dropping episodes every week. That is on Twitter at Reckless Rebels, R-E-C-K-L-E-S-S-R-E-B-E-L-S. And sometimes we get into really strong, really good philosophical debates. Um, and if you want to hear me talk as a creator, uh, yeah, you definitely go listen there because I'd, I'd pull in a lot of different things into uh, how I interpret Star Wars. Um, yeah, dude. Mike, thanks for having me on, man. This was great. Definitely gonna have a have a gonna have to have a part two. Mm-hmm. We got through that sentence. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe we'll do a, a different time next time where we're both a little less knackered. <laughs> <laughs> we, we'll definitely see. You know, uh, Megan has been doing. Uh, she's with a theatre group at the moment, so on uh, s- Sundays and Monday nights, uh, she's been doing it. But th- this month, the next few Mondays, she's not. So this Monday, I was like, oh, I could. We'll see. We'll see if she's doing it because if she does, she does it at like seven, um, seven till ten. So it mm. just fits right in the middle there. Uh, but yeah, yeah, no pressure at all. It's been absolutely delightful speaking with you. You know, when we spoke the numerous times of Star Wars, you and I always went on tangents and always delved deep. Uh, and you and I are both quite enthusiastic. I don't sound it today because of my yeah. voice um, and my cold I'm getting over. Um, but, you know, our enthusiasm and just the intrigue into the, all these different things is just something that, um, you know, when Tonya put us together, she was like, I think you'll get along well with Thomas. You know, he's a nerd, but there's more to him than that. He's, he's You guys are kind of like, there's something that I'm sure you guys will have really great conversations. And as soon as we started talking, when we in that first pod together, she was like, I don't even need to be here. <laughs> <laughs> That's Look right. at us now. Yes. Look at us now. Two hours into the pod, and uh, we could easily keep going. I've got other notes, but we will we will stop because we can't just spend six hours tonight talking podcasting. Because I've got work tomorrow as well, and you've got other parts of your life to live other than podcasting. Um, but thank you once <laughs> yes. again. All links are going to be in the description. I'll put lots of notes to her about the books that uh, Thomas has mentioned and things. And um, yeah, just thank you again, Thomas, for making the time. And I'll have you on again. At very least, we've got to talk about good and evil and karma and stuff. So that will be at the very least a little tease of where we'll start in the next uh, conversation. But just thank you once again. And thank you for putting out positive vibes and just general awesomeness into the world. Thank you, man. All love. All love to you too. And that's the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, my friends, make sure you follow Thomas on the social media platforms and make sure you share this conversation with all the people that you know so as many people can check it out as possible. Of course, there's details in the description, as I said in the intro, for the books that Thomas mentioned and a few other bits and pieces, as well as loads of other information in the show notes, including guest spots I've done recently and other projects I have been a part of. But what is coming up on this feed? Well, next week is likely going to be a conversation between myself, Math, Dave Horrocks, and Megan about Star Wars The Phantom Menace. So in the run-up to the Clone Wars conversations, which myself, Dave, and Math are going to be doing in 2024, where we go through each season of The Clone Wars, so we are doing the build-up to that. So we've watched Phantom Menace, we have a recording due in a couple of weeks to watch Attack of the Clones, and then in December we will be watching the Clone Wars movie. And with the Clone Wars movie conversation, I will be getting Megan on board, because she absolutely hates that movie, and anyone who's heard her review on Spider-Man 3, or really anything on my Patreon, or anything she doesn't like at all, you'll know that when Megan hates something, it is very, very entertaining to listen to. Then I have a few things planned for November and then a couple things planned in December as well, but I can't speak about those until the conversations are actually recorded, so I'll keep you updated with those once I've got the recordings in the bag. For more Star Wars content, you can check out every episode of the weekly discussion shows on Ahsoka, where Thomas was actually involved in episode 5, I believe it was. They're all on the podcast feed of Comics in Motion or at youtube.com slash genuinechitschat, along with all conversations and playlists. So if you're listening to this and you want to hear more conversations on spirituality and religion and existential thought, there's a whole YouTube playlist about that. Or you can just type in keywords into your podcaster app and you'll find some of the ones there. Or you can contact me on social media and ask me directly and I'll direct you to the right place. I think one of the most recent ones I have done is with Radhika Rao. I've had two conversations with her about spirituality and things from a Buddhist perspective. So make sure you check those out. You can follow me on social media at Genuine Chit Chat on Instagram, Twitter, slash X, Facebook, and on TikTok. And you can support me at patreon.com slash genuine chit chat or coffee.com slash genuine chit chat. 
Patreon is a monthly thing and you get instant access to all 190 plus episodes of Afterthoughts, whereas coffee is a one-off donation and I'll send you a couple of episodes, but the more you give, the more episodes you will get. If you want to get some bonus Patreon content without having to contribute financially, there is a way you can do this and you can leave a review or rating. So you can leave a rating on Spotify or you can leave a review slash rating on Apple Podcasts or you can leave those on Audible, Good Pods, all those great places. And if you do that to the show, please send me a screenshot of that on social media or to genuinechitchat at outlook.com. And then in doing so, I will send you an Afterthoughts episode in return. And if you ask very, very nicely, I might send you two. If you have anything in mind you want to hear about, like some of the road trips me and Megan have been on or some of the spooky season stuff we're doing where we're reviewing horror films and stuff like that or if you want something completely random and different just let me know and i'll send it your way I also recently guested on the Back to the Filmography podcast once again. Myself and Megan were on there a little while ago doing Collateral, and then this time we were going to do No Me and Juliet, but Megan was ill, so I did it by myself. The podcast is where the host, Jack, is going through every single accredited film of a certain actor, and at the moment he's doing Jason Statham, and so No Me and Juliet is the only animated film to date with Jason Statham. So that was a really, really interesting conversation. Please check that out, even if you haven't seen the film and know nothing about it. I had so much fun doing it, and Back to the Filmography is one of my favourite podcasts. But friends, I think that's just about enough for the time being. Just make sure you follow me on all the usual places, support me where you can, share with your friends, and tell your friends in real life about all this kind of stuff, because it does help the show out. But I'll be talking to you next week with the Phantom Menace review, and then we've got a few things in the pipeline after that that I'll let you know once the recordings are in the bag. But thank you for your support, as always. I hugely appreciate it, and I'll talk to you next week. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.